was the reality that sometimes in life, God will allow bad things to happen. In life, God will allow bad things to happen, even allow evil to flourish, but for just a season. I think the hope that we have, the hope that we can hold on to, is the fact that even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of, uh, uh, of evil appearing as though it's flourishing, God is still in control and evil will not flourish forever. God has made a promise of that. And that evil can only flourish up to so long. And we, are, we, we, we looked at last week, the first two verses of Daniel chapter 1, this idea that, that God allowed the people of Israel, the people of Judah, to be overtaken by this guy, King Nebuchadnezzar. And we kind of foreshadowed, we kind of talked a little bit about the fact that this story, the book of Daniel, is about this young man. And, and Daniel is, is going to be put through the, uh, through the ringer. He's going to be put in the pressure cooker. And he is going to try and figure a way out of his predicament while honoring God in the process. Because it is possible. It is possible to be in a difficult situation and honor God in the process. And so uh, as, as we dive into this, I want to ask you guys a quick question this morning. What is your name? What is, what is your name? And, and that may seem like a very simple question because, well, yeah, my name is this or my name is that. But, but here's what I know about you and here's what I know about me and every single person on the planet. There's the name that you have and then there's the name that you respond to. There's the name that you have and then there's the name that gets your attention, the name that you respond to. Like if I'm to introduce myself to hi, my name is my name is Steve. That's that's my name. But how many of us know that those aren't often the names that we respond to? Sometimes uh, we we live out as if our name is this. Hello, my name is anxiety stricken. We say hi, my, my name my name is depression. Hi, my name is failed relationship. Hi, my name is uh, in debt up to my eyeballs. Hi, my name is, uh, I'm, I'm a mistake. Hi, my name is never going to amount to anything. Hi, my name is disappointment. See, we would never do that. We would never introduce ourselves to a group of people that way. But many of us are living life like those things are our name. We had something spoken over you. Years and years ago, and you are living your life in response to the name that was given to you. But here's what I know, is that God has a better plan for you than that. God has a better life for you than that. And my prayer for you this morning as we dive into this section of scripture is that by the end of it, the Holy Spirit would begin to work on you so profoundly that you would reject the name that's been given to you and accept the name that God has placed over your life. Daniel chapter 1, starting in, in verse 3, um, again, we saw evil flourish last week. God's still in control, but now we're going to be introduced to our boy, our boy Daniel. Daniel chapter 1, starting in verse 3, reading through verse 8, but I'm going to break it up. Uh, so we're going to look at verses 3 through 5 real quick. You know, I'm just going to start from verse 1. How about we just do that? Because it kind of picks up mid-sentence. We'll just start from verse 1. Uh, during the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take, of the sa uh, take some of the sacred art objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Picking up in verse 3. Then the king ordered 
Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning and are gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. What we see is Nebuchadnezzar's ultimately, what he's doing in the first few verses is is he's collecting trophies. He's collecting trophies from the temple of God to put into his trophy case in worship of his God. And he takes it a step further. He continues with his trophy collection by taking with him into captivity, into his service, uh, the, the young men of royal families and of nobility. No, Nebuchadnezzar, he's still just, he's just in the process of collecting these trophies because here's what, he, here's what he knows. I can decimate this culture if I take from it its future. If I take these young men out of what they know, out of where they're from, and I can assimilate them into this culture, into this understanding, what I can do to the people of Judah is I can ruin their future. And that's why, I mean, for, the, for so many years of my life, my wife and I were in student ministry and something that we're still very, very passionate about. We're just waiting for these kids to grow up so we can, st- and, and, but here's the thing, kids ministry and youth ministry is very, very, very close to me and Jen's heart. Why? Because we know that the devil is trying everything he can to capture the young people of this generation because if he can capture and veer and distort the, the identities of the, of the upcoming generation, then he, can take away, then he can take away our future. I, 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 I used to enjoy going to the mall, and now, now I don't because now I have kids, and I, I, I begin to see it in a different way. I begin to see the ways in which the world and, and our culture is trying to distort my kids' views, the views of how they look at themselves, about how they look at God, about how they look at this world. And Nebuchadnezzar knows that if he wants to destroy their future, if he wants to destroy the people of Judah's identity, he's going to rob from them their future, the next generation. And what he's doing is he's going to give these kids, he's going to give these young men a crash course in Babylonian everything. And it's not simply so that they can know information, but Nebuchadnezzar wants them to lose who they were and who they are, and he has a plan for who they're becoming. And so he has specific, specific things. He, he doesn't simply want anyone, but again, he's in, this, in the, he's in this mode of collecting trophies. He's trying to collect trophy young men, again, with the intention of robbing Judah of its future. Picking back up in verse 6. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was Belteshazzar. Hananiah was named Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. And Azariah was called Abagnego. This doesn't, okay, so why is this a big deal? I think that's kind of like, it's, it's, a, it's a name change. 
You know what I mean? Like, um, we've got some friends. Uh, they're actually our parent church pastors. Uh, over, they over help oversee Motion City Church. They offer us insight, spiritual guidance. They're our, 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 our kind of overarching authority, uh, Pastor Heath and, and Rachel. And, and they were in the process this past year of, of adopting a, a daughter. And, and their daughter came with a name. And it was the name that her mom gave her. This, this little girl came from a very difficult past. She had been rejected over and over and over again with foster family to foster family. She was promised adoption, and then at the last minute, the foster family that she thought would be her forever family said, no, we, did, we just don't want to do it anymore. And so all of a sudden, there was this, this, this dilemma, and, Heath and Rachel ended up adopting her. And one of the first things that they did was they changed this girl's name. They gave her a new name because they believed and they thought that if they give this girl a new name, it would, be, it would be the beginning of a new identity. She could be done with the things that she used to be a part of, the pain that she used to experience. We're going to give her a new name because now it's, she is a part of our family. She is a part of our forever family. She is ours and we will never let her go. And so we want to get rid of the things that, that come along with that name. and We want to give her a new start, a new identity, a new purpose, a new life a new plan, a new outcome. And so they changed their name. Change your name. The same thing is happening with these guys as they change their name because in, 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 the, in the culture of Israel, your name was your identity. Your name was your identity. Your name said something very specific about you. And more importantly, your name said something very specific about who God is. And so Nebuchadnezzar knows if I take their name, I take their identity. If I take their identity, then I can give them a false name, and I can make them become who I want them to be. This is, uh, and I, this was, I totally was geeking out over this. So I have, uh, let's, let's put, so we've got Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and here are the names that they were given again, uh, Belteshazzar, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were offended by the flame emoji. But we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> So again, we talk, it's just a name change. But here's, here's the interesting thing about, again, their, 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 uh, their Judean names versus their Babylonian names. So we've got Daniel. Let's go to the next slide real quick. Daniel. His name means that God is my judge. But Belteshazzar means that his name means he is identified as, as Bel's prince. Well, who's Bel? Well, Bel was the lord and master closely associated with the Babylonian, Babylonian god Marduk. And Marduk was the god of order and destiny. And so instead of Daniel submitting his plans and his purposes to God, knowing that God is his judge, now he is this false god, Marduk. He is Bel's prince. He is Marduk's prince, who's the god of order and destiny. Instead of being uh, submitting to God's plans and purposes, now his name identifies with this false god of the specific direction. So again, you change the name, you change your identity. We've got, uh, let's go to the next one. We've got uh, uh, Hananiah, which means Yahweh has been gracious. To Shadrach, which means in the command of Aku, Aku was the god of the moon in Babylon. And so you take a name. You take Hananiah, Yahweh has been gracious, a name that you can proclaim in the light, and you give him a name of a god who is hidden under darkness. Let's go to the next one. We've got uh, Mishael, whose name means who is like God. To Meshach who is like a coup, who is like this false god of the moon. And then we've got Azariah, 
whose name was changed to Abagnego, which instead of Yahweh has helped the servant of Nebo. Nebo was the Babylonian god of art, specifically uh, written literature and vegetation. Two things that the Babylonian country was desperate for to continue their livelihood, to continue their life was their written history and their vegetation, knowing that so many people in that time, because it was what they were able to produce, were, veg- were vegetarians. And so this was, instead of being uh, a name that proclaimed the goodness and the authority of God becomes, well, I'm going to be I'm going to be in servitude to this God of, 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 of art and writing and vegetation because, um, again, if you can change their name, you can change their identity. That's why I asked you, what's your name at the beginning of service? What's your name? You've been given a name, but what's the name you respond to? Because as I was praying over this portion of Scripture, here's what, here's what I believe that the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Here's the thing. Just because someone gave you a name doesn't mean that it's yours. Just because you've been given a name doesn't mean that it's yours. The minute it becomes yours is the moment you begin to live by that name. Nebuchadnezzar is trying to warp these guys' identity. He's trying to warp their calling. He's trying to distort their purpose. So again, what's your name? What's the name you have? But more importantly, what's the name that you respond to? Um, growing up um, in my family, we, we I... I we used to have these things when we, uh, so we dedicate, we dedicate children in Motion City Church, and, and, and we believe that that's in practice. We also practice a believer's baptism. Uh, if you want to get into more of a conversation about why we do either, Pastor Jen and myself would love to have that conversation with you. But when I was dedicated, my parents were given this, um, were given this plaque that had my name on it. And and the plaque had my name on it, but it also had kind of like a subname underneath it. So it's like almost like when you look at a book that has a title and has a subtitle. This plaque kind of had that. It had my name. It had another name. Then it had a scripture verse. Right? Good church practice, right? And I remember walking by these things all, all the time. I remember seeing every single one of them. And, and, and the difficulty, when, when something becomes normal, we begin to lose the value in which it has on our lives, right? When, when something becomes normal, it can lose its value. And so as life began to happen for me, as I began to grow up, as I began to get involved in activities, one of the things that I got very involved in was music. I, I, I lied to be on my first worship team, which is not the best way to go about it. I will just tell you that. Uh, I signed up for the longest list uh, when they were asking for volunteers to be a part of worship teams. And for whatever reason, at our church, we were a phenomenon, but the longest, lo- the longest list was drummers. We had them in spades, man. And it was, so I was like, well, that's the longest list. There's no way they're going to pick me. I want to be involved. I'll sign up to be a drummer. And then we went through a church split, and all the drummers left. Oh, but there's this kid. He signed up. They're still here. Let's ask him to drum. So I get a call from the music pastor. Hey, Steve, just really wondering if uh, you're interested in, 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 in drumming for worship this weekend. Yeah! I don't know how to drum. 
well, we have practice Thursday nights, and, and, and so if you come, and then we'll introduce you. I'm like, perfect, sounds great. Hang up the phone. My mom's like, who is that? I'm like, that was Pastor Jay. What did, he, what did he want? He wants me to play drums on Sunday. Do you know how to play drums? Yeah! <laughs> you know? And I began to, as the, the, the week gone on, get sicker and sicker because Thursday was coming, and the moment Thursday came, I would be found to be a fraud. And so what do you do? When you're in over your head in a lie, God, please get me out of this. If you And so I began to pray. God, if you will either bring another drum into church or give me the most basic elementary drum beat ever, I will, I, like, I will plant a church. You're welcome. No. Um, but uh, so Thursday came, went and bought some drumsticks, sweating. Just beads of sweat as we drove from our house in St. Paul to Invergrove Heights where our church was just sick. And I know my mom knew. I know she knew because there's no way I'm keeping it together that well. And then she goes, all right, have a good time. I was like, all right. Get out of the car. It was literally like, like getting out of, like choosing to get out of your own car before you go stand in front of a firing squad. It was just like just, and, and. And I kid you not, God showed up in a very unique way, and somehow my brain and my four appendages began to work together yet independently, and it wasn't great, but I got through it. And that was at 11, and I'm 35 now, and I'm still drumming. But in between that, I began to be a drummer. See, that became my identity. That became who I was. I lost who I was and became this ability. As, as school went on, I began to get into sports. Baseball, baseball and, and basketball were kind of my, my choices. I was tall, and so I was, I was kind of the man in the paint, and, and, and basketball became my identity. And, and all of a sudden, uh, I, I came part of a specific season where there was a, a choice I had to make. I had to either, very much like Daniel was, and I don't mean to make this sound super over-exaggerated, but there was an opportunity for me to keep playing basketball and compromise on some very specific principles that I had established in my life or I could quit. There was no middle ground. Oftentimes what we want to do is we want to occupy the middle ground between what we have and what we're supposed to be. And God's like, if you occupy the middle ground between who you, what you have and who, you th- who you're supposed to be, the scriptures say very clearly that you can either be hot or cold because if you exist as lukewarm, the scriptures say that God will spit you out of his mouth. We need a church of believers who is not simply existing in what they used to have and who they're supposed to be trying to occupy both lines, but we need a church who is audaciously bold in the name of of Jesus, and so I quit basketball. And I lost that part of my identity. And my senior year of high school was very difficult because all of a sudden basketball season didn't stop because I quit. It happened. And then there became the conversations of, well, why aren't you playing? And I made a point that my choice affected the character of somebody else and so I just said that I just made a, I'm not going to explain to anybody why I quit. Because I don't want to belittle someone else's character. I don't, want to, I don't want my decision to make somebody else look bad. And so I just said, you know, I just didn't feel like playing this year. And I got a lot of comments. Well, that was stupid. It's your senior year. Oh, yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> you could have been a, st- yeah, yeah, I know. 
There comes a season where I was in a, in a band. I was in a punk rock band. Because I, w- I was a drummer, I didn't know who I was, and all of a sudden there came a point where I could either further my education or I could continue in the band, and, and, and I chose my education. And all of a sudden, in the course of a few years, the two, the two biggest pillars of my identity were gone. And when you build your life on what you do rather than who God says that you are, it becomes very difficult to know who you are when the pillars have been knocked away. So I went home and and all of a sudden I think the Lord really drew me back to this area of our wall that has these plaques and at the time I was feeling like a, like a pretty big failure and all of a sudden I noticed um, my name plaque again. And my name means crowned one. And all of a sudden, I had a choice to make. Do I live as how I feel, or do I live as how God has called me, as he has named me? The, 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 the profound thing was, all of a sudden, I, I made a decision that I'm not going to live as a prodigal anymore, but I'm going to live as a crowned son of the Most High God. I'm going to live out my name. Is, is it easy? No, not even a little bit. but I began to try and believe this because when you know who you are based on who God says you are it changes the way you exist it changes the way that you think it changes the way that you treat yourself it changes the way that you treat others it changes everything because your identity changes everything what you believe about yourself changes everything what you live out based on what you believe about yourself matters that's why i ask you the question what's your name not the name that you have but the name that you respond to because so many of us are living based on the name of our worst mistake or moment. We become the worst of our existence. We allow that to become our name. We, become, we allow that to become our identity. And when the voices in our head begin to call us out, we don't, we don't respond to the names that God has given us. We respond to the names that were spoken over us based off of broken humanity, based off of broken people. We allow broken people to establish our identity rather than a holy, righteous, and just God. So what's your name? What do you respond to? Let me help you just a little bit with who God calls you. Because I know that you have Names and comments and things swirling around. But here's what I know about what God calls you. Because, man, I comb the scriptures trying to find these. God says, you are, you are my child. God says, you are my child. God says, you are accepted. God says, you are chosen. You are holy. And you are blameless because of Christ. You are a branch of the true vine. You are a saint. You are redeemed. You, have, you are restored. You are a friend of Jesus. You are a new creation. You are a new creature. You are forgiven. You are a citizen of heaven. You are justified. You are redeemed. You are becoming the righteousness of God. Through Christ, you are no longer a slave to sin, but you are a child of the light. You are God's workmanship created to do good 
works. That is who you are. But let me ask you again, what's the name that you respond to? What name have you accepted over your life? Whose identity are you living out? Because here's what I know about culture. Culture will try and warp and distort your identity to fit its desires. And Daniel's faced with a unique choice. Do I accept who they say I am? Or do I go back to this moment before the moment when I said yes to God? And I didn't simply say yes to God during the good times, but I said yes to God no matter what. Do I allow them to identify me or do I hold on to who I am in God? Yeah, they may give me a name, but that's not my name. They may try and repurpose my identity, but that's not my identity because I know who I am in God. Verse uh, verse 8 says this, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat of these unacceptable foods. When we look at that word determined, other translations of the Bible say uh, Daniel made up his mind. You know, like parents, when your kids make up their mind, like they've made up their mind, they're not eating their vegetables. They have, made, they have determined they've made up their mind. They're not putting on that dress or they're not wearing those shoes. They are determined they have made up their mind. What this word means is that Daniel had set it upon his heart. Daniel had, was determined. He had made up his mind. He had set it upon his heart to say yes to God no matter what, no matter the circumstances, no matter if it cost him his life, no matter it cost him a position where he could live exceptionally well in a city that wasn't his, within a culture that's not his. He could have existed fairly well, but Daniel had set it upon his heart to say yes to God no matter what. But Daniel, it's just, it's just meat. Like the king is offering you food from his kitchen. It's just meat. Well, see, the the people of Israel, there was a strict code of conduct as to what they consumed. We would refer to it as non-kosher today. And there, and, and and Daniel would have had to compromise. And when it, it's, but it's just it's it's just, it's a hamburger, dude. No, because I said yes back here. And my yes back here gives me the strength to say no up here. But, but Daniel, it's, it's, it's wine from the king's table. Yeah, but Daniel knew. Daniel had an understanding. Uh, he had an understanding that this wine had been offered to gods before it had been offered to the king. And because Daniel said yes to God back here, he was able to say no to the king up here because he knows that he is not going to defile himself by consuming things that were offered to false gods. Then he would say that what they did with this wine was okay for him to consume. And Daniel was like, no, I'm not going to say yes to that. I'm not going to say yes to this. I'm not going to say yes to the small things, when there's a bigger thing that I need to say yes to, when there's a bigger purpose for my existence, I need to say the best yes ever. And some of us are caught in this place where we have compromised. We have compromised so much. We have said so many small yeses that when we want to say yes to the big thing, there's no more space. There's no more space. 
Daniel remembered he said yes back here. So he could say no up here. He had said yes to who God says he was and is so that he could say no to who Nebuchadnezzar says that he is. My question again is what is your name? What is the name that you respond to? Because again, so many of us are living lives in response to names that God did not give you. And I believe with everything inside of me this morning that God wants to, for many people, begin the renaming process. He wants to begin to rename you. He wants to begin to speak into your existence to wipe away the name that you've accepted and to establish in your life the name that he has chosen for you. So this morning, um, we're going to end things just a little differently. I have three questions for you that I want to leave you with. And these are questions that I want, I, I pray that you would begin to ask yourself throughout the week. Um, and as we look through the, the, the story of Daniel, as we looked at verses one through eight thus far, I just want you to ask you a question. Um, what does this say about God? Just, just begin, I mean, whether it's over lunch, um, whether it's at the dinner table, whether it's in your car, whether it's wherever you are, uh, just begin to ask the questions based on what we've read so far. What does it say about God? Question number two, what does this say about me? What is this story? What, what, what are the verses we wrote? What does it say about me? And then question number three, how does this lead me to change? How does this lead me to change? What is the name that you respond to? Father, I thank you so much. God, that you address some, some pretty uh, significant things with us, God. And, 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 and God, ultimately, the, the, the biggest question that, that any of us faces, the, the biggest question any of us, I think, in our lives ask is, who am I? What is my purpose? Who am I supposed to be? What am I becoming? And, and, and God, you... Uh, God, I believe for each and every person, each and every child, each and every uh, person who inhales and exhales uh, uh, breath through their lungs, God, you have identified them, you have named them, you have purposed them for a specific purpose. But God, through the course of life, it's so easy to allow things to rename us. It's so easy to allow culture to identify us as who they think we should be. And, 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 and God, for those, in those moments, Lord, um, just like Daniel, we need to remember what we said yes to. Because what we said yes to will help us um, identify with who, we're, who we've been created to be. And, and Holy Spirit, my prayer this morning right now is that you would begin the renaming process in some, in some people. There are people living out based off of their worst moment. Or there are some people who are living life based on their best accomplishment. But God, you, you named us 
Scriptures say, before we were formed in our mother's womb, you knew us. And so, Holy Spirit, I just ask right now that you would begin the renaming process for some people today. That they would begin to feel the shackles and chains of their old name begin to fall away. And God, that you would embrace them with who you have created and purposed them to be. Because God, ultimately, when we know who you are, we know who we are. And when we know who we are, that's the best way to live. So God, help us. Help us in those moments when we, uh, when we feel like our existence defines our identity. But God, would you help us hold on to you? Would you help us keep our eyes and our hearts focused on who you are? Because again, when we know who you are, we know who we are. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.